Turn with me in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 4. Colossians chapter 4. This morning I hope to speak to you on the subject of prayer and the ministry and evangelism. We'll begin in verse 2 of Colossians 4 and read through the fourth verse. Paul is concluding this letter to the church at Colossae, and he's, he's giving them some final instructions. And he says in verse 2, Continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, with all praying also for us, that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. In verse 2, Paul is, is giving them a, just a general exhortation that they should continue in prayer, that they should be watchful, and that they should be thankful. He says, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. Now, when he says continue in prayer, he's saying, I want you to, I want you to be constant in prayer. That, that prayer is something that is, that is constant in your life. It's a recurring theme in your life from, from day to day. That you would, that you would really, it, 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 has, it carries the, the connotation of devotion. That you would devote your life to prayer. He's telling them that you would be devoted to prayer. Devote yourself to prayer. You know, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 17 Paul says that we are to pray without ceasing. That is that we are to continually pray. You know, that's an easy verse to memorize, by the way. Pray without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 might be a good one to commit to memory. Paul is telling that church that you are to pray always. Uh, when he's instructing the church at Rome in Romans chapter 12, he says that we're to continue instant in prayer, that we're to, we're to always be praying. Um, I quote John Gill a lot here. I love his commentary on the Bible. And, and he, I won't quote it verbatim, but he talks about, you know, unlike the Jews who had, who had calls of prayer and times that they were to pray, uh, the Christian isn't somebody that that's always has to be in a formal position of prayer or at formal times of prayer. But prayer should be a, a, a regular part of everyday life for the Christian, right? You could begin the day with prayer. You can end the day with prayer. And you can go through life with a, with a spirit of prayer, uh, even when you're not formally on your knees praying or in your closet praying, you should devote yourself and continue in prayer. But, but notice here, he says, I want you to, to devote to it. He says you're to pray without ceasing. You're to continue instantly in prayer. So it's this theme that we're, that we're, that we're always praying. It's just a part of our regular life. And what I have found personally, and I want you can shake your head yes or no if this is part of your life, the hardest part about praying is consistency with me. <laughs> there's times that I'm very consistent in my prayers, and then there's times that my prayer life, it just grows weary. You know, it begins to faint. Jesus will talk about that. And so as he's, as he's closing out his letter to this church, he says it's very important that you, you make it a point in your life that you devote yourself to prayer. You don't let things get in the way of your Prayer time, you don't, for me, I'm, I can get so distracted by other things that I forget to pray 
Um, you you know, a lot of times we can we can be praying for something, and and then we don't see an answer to that prayer, or maybe it just it's been so long that nothing's changed that we just grow weary in it and we quit praying for it. Right? Let me tell you how many times I felt shame where God answers a prayer, something that maybe I've been praying for for years, but nothing ever happened, and I just stopped praying. <laughs> about that and then maybe years later he answered that prayer and i could go back and and say wow why did i ever stop praying for that oh you have little faith you know we're to we're to ask and 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 we're to ask god for things expecting that he will fulfill those things if it's within his will right heard jay vernon mcgee say one time that that if you're if you're praying for your crops, you're a farmer and you're praying for your crops or you're praying for rain. Or I think he said if you're praying for corn, you need to pray with your your hoe in your hand, <laughs> expecting that God's going to deliver what you're praying for. But you know, our faith at best is it wanes, right? You remember when Peter was in prison in the book of Acts, and they're they're praying that God would deliver him from prison. There's a prayer meeting, the church is praying that God would deliver him from prison. And while they're praying, God delivers him from prison and he comes to the front door and knocks on the door. And, and I believe a young lady goes and answers the door and she goes back to the prayer group and says, he's here. And as they're praying for him to be delivered, they say, no, that must be his angel. There's no way that's him. Now, were they praying in great faith? No, but, but little faith to a great God can move mountains, right? So we were to be devoted to praying. Um, Jesus taught us this. In the book of Luke, there's two different teachings. Uh, Luke 18, he, he's teaching about the persistent widow. You remember the widow that went to the unjust judge? And, and he begins um, Luke 18 by saying, He spake a parable unto them to this end that men ought always to pray and not to faint that they shouldn't become wearied out in their praying. And we can do that so easily. And then in, in I believe it's Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, he's giving the, the what I call the model prayer. Many refer to it as the Lord's Prayer. And it says, and it came to, it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And he said unto them, When ye pray. So here's the, here's the Lord Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray. He says, When you pray, say this. Now he's not saying you have to repeat this, but your prayer should be like this, right? Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He, he, he begins his prayer by saying, You need to have reverence towards God, right? And, and the grace of God teaches us that we should be reverent, godly in this present world. So he shows reverence to God. Thy, and then he says this, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. I want you to notice that. After he, after he shows reverence to God, our Father in heaven, you know, as we, as we refer to Him reverently, then he says, I want you to pray for the kingdom. <laughs> You'll see a lot of times when, when Paul is, is, is asking for prayer, he's asking that the kingdom would come. He's asking that the gospel would have success. He does that in Colossians 
chapter 4. And so Jesus is saying, you need to be praying for the kingdom. And you know, the manifestation of the kingdom of God is the church of God on earth, right? The kingdom of God is larger than the church, but, but the visible representation of the kingdom of God is the church of Jesus Christ, where the truth dwells, where, where the king's commandment is, is respected and honored and, and preached and hopefully implemented in the lives uh, of the, the members of the kingdom, of the church. And so he says, pray for the kingdom. Thy will be done as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then he said unto them, which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine is in his journey, is come to me. And I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. Verse 8, Jesus says, I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him, because he is his friend. See, just because he's come to his door and he's, he's asking for bread for his friend, and this is the man who's asking, this is a friend who's inside. He says, just because they're friends, he won't get up and do it. Yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Now, that's not a word that I use uh, in, in, in my life a lot is importunity. But that means that it's, it's a it's an urgent request or a pressing Solicitation. You are asking somebody for something. And, 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 and here's, here's the definition I wrote down. Application for a claim or favor, which is urged with troublesome frequency. <laughs> that he's, he's, he's constantly knocking on that door, right? Saying, I, ne I need the bread. I need this. If you remember from the persistent widow, she was going to the unjust judge who was going to do nothing, going to do nothing for her. But he said, you know what? I will avenge her unless her continually coming to me wearies me. Now, God isn't saying in either of these uh, parables that, that he's like the unjust judge or the friend that won't get up to help his friend just because he asks. But he's saying your, your prayer life should be that you're constantly coming to me with your, with your wants and with your, your needs and with your, your desires if they're within his will, right? And so he goes on and he says, and I say unto you, this is, this is verse 9, I, teaching his disciples, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asks receives. And he that seeks finds. And to him that knocks it shall be opened. Now, do you see there, there is some effort required on the part of the disciple to ask and to seek and to knock, right? How many times do you think we have missed out on blessings in our life because we quit asking? Or we quit seeking. Or we quit, we quit knocking. He says, listen to this. He says, if a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if your son asks for a fish, will you give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will you offer him a scorpion? Verse 13, he says, if ye then being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? You know, we our Father in heaven is probably a lot like the, the you know the fathers here today, and and Jesus points out that 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 we just like His disciples are evil. <laughs> We've been infected with sin. We 
We don't always have the best motives in our life, but yet still when our children come to us and, and humbly ask for things, if it's within our ability, we like to do it, right? And he's saying, he's saying, I am, he, he is not evil. He cannot be tempted with sin. He is holy. He is perfect. And he loves to pour out gifts upon his children who ask for them. But watch this. He says, how much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? <laughs> See, Jesus is saying what I expect you to come asking me for is, is not a bigger car or a better house or, 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 or the things that the Gentiles seek about, but spiritual needs. That's what Jesus is, is concerned about is your spiritual needs. And if you go to him, if you, if you feel down, uh, if you feel you feel out, you feel spiritually dry, you need to be revived. God, God loves to give his children more of his spirit. <laughs> he wants to see his children invigorated and zealous uh, for him. And so we can come to him over and over and over and he will give us what we need. And so Paul says to the church, he says, I want you to continue in prayer. Devote yourself to prayer. And that would be a call to Vestavia today, to me as the pastor and to you in the pew. We should devote ourselves to prayer. You know, we should, we should really probably have more prayer meetings than we have. We should probably set aside time as a church to pray. Um, I, you know, I'm, con I'm convicted that we haven't done more of that. Last year we had a prayer meeting at, at Grant's Mill Church. Some of you attended that, and that was... That was a beautiful time for me and, and, and just refreshing to me. And so as a church, as a people, we should commit ourselves to prayer. And then he says, and watch in the same with thanksgiving. He says, I want you to be watchful and thankful. You know, it's very important as Christian people that we're alert to what's going on around us, right? Um, how easily can we be distracted in this, are you, is anybody else in here easily distracted? Does that get y'all? Dad, 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 dad. Oh, he's on his phone. <laughs> Any dads ever heard that before? The world is very distracting. And it's important. And as Paul is instructing this church, he says, I want you to be watchful. I want you to be alert to what's going on around you. In Acts chapter 20, Paul is addressing the Ephesian elders. And you know, Paul's about to Paul's about to depart from the scene. He's not coming back to Ephesus. And he says in verse 31, he says, Therefore, I want you to watch and remember how I didn't, I, I never ceased to warn you night and day. He was saying there's gonna there are gonna be people that come among the church that are, their goal, their mission is going to be to destroy the church. And he says, I want you to be alert to that that you would be alert to the fact that there are forces outside of the church who, who their number one goal is whether it be from inside the church or outside the church, they want to wreak havoc on the church. And so he tells the elders, I want you to be alert to that and to the members. We need to be alert to that, right? Even if it's to ourselves. Are we alert? What am I doing that might cause division in the church? Can you imagine if we were all, if we were all thinking that? How how smooth a church could operate if, if every one of us everything we did we're thinking how does that how does that impact the harmony and the unity of the church and so Paul's leaving the scene I believe it's in the next verse he says 
He says, I'm leaving and I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. He says, that's what's able to establish you. So when Paul's leaving the, church, the, the elders at Ephesus, he says, you need to be watchful, alert to what's going on. And, and, and you need to, I commend you to God. What is he saying? Pray to God for help. I'm no longer going to be there to watch after you. You need, to, you need to commit your lives to God. You know, as parents, I think any parent in here today that has children still in their home, we would, unless you are not alert at all to what's being pushed on, on our culture, you need to be alert, right? We need, to, we, need to, we need to wake up to the fact that the powers that be are after our children. <laughs> they're, they're trying to brainwash and manipulate our children and, 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 and form them into their image. And that's, it, that's it's not the first generation that has ever faced that, but it does seem to be an all-out assault, doesn't it? <laughs> on, on every corner. We need to be watchful. You know, in 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 second second Timothy, and I was trying to preach through Second Timothy last year, and and I got to chapter three, and I've wanted to preach on that, but I just I don't know. The Spirit hasn't 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 led me to do that. Maybe or maybe it's uh, maybe I just haven't recognized it. But he Paul begins to explain the the last days and, and i don't believe he's just talking about the the end of time but you know from the time that christ ascended into heaven we've been in the last period of time the next the next big thing to happen is christ is coming back right and 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 he says this know this also that in the last days perilous times shall come and 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 that word doesn't mean there's just going to be it doesn't mean there's just going to be one time where things get really bad. Yeah, it could, it, there could be an all-out assault before Christ returns. I'm not saying that. But it's almost like an ebb and flow. There's going to be good times and bad times. And if you look throughout history, that's what we see, right? There's times where things get really bad. And Think about when Christ was on earth. There was all kinds of demonic activity, and, and they're actually crucifying God. That's, that's pretty... That's, that's a perilous time, isn't it? You think about, um, I think a lot about the Civil War in our country. Can you think about what a perilous time that would be for moms and dads who lose all their, I mean, they had church, we have churches that lost a generation because they were dead. What perilous times. I think we've seen perilous times over the last few years in our nation. But listen to what he says. It goes on to say, speaking of the, the, the false teachers that will be part of the perilous times, he says, for of this sort, verse 6, are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with diverse lusts. And this, this is not a, a woman or man thing. What he's saying is, there's, there's going to be these people that have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. And their motive is to, is to creep into houses, to creep into your house, to creep into your family and lead you captive. That word silly means foolish. People who aren't alert to what's going on. Do you see that? And, and, they're, and, they're, and they're going to take them captive. They will creep in and take you captive. 
And if you're not alert, that can happen to all of us, right? Because our nature that we carry from Adam uh, loves loves the, the, the sins and the lust that it talks about there. So we have to be alert to make sure we're not giving in to those things. And listen to this. Now in Titus chapter 2, Paul is teaching the, the older women what they are to teach the younger women. So you have, you have 2 Timothy chapter 3 where you have these silly or foolish women who are, who are deceived by these false teachers. But then you have in Titus chapter 2 that in verse 5 that, that the, the younger women are to be taught to be discreet to be chaste, and to be keepers at home. Now, I'll tell you what I believe with all my heart. That, that, doesn't, that does not necessarily mean that they are that, that the, the younger women are to always be in the home or not have activity outside of the home. I think you could look to Proverbs 31 and see that, that this ideal woman who is, uh, you know, who is described there is industrious and and but so what 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 is it talking about then that word keepers like you could go to a, a Thayer's lexicon or some Greek lexicon it literally means to be watchful that they're watching out for the home and 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 listen I'm not I'm not saying that Paul was wrong but we need men and women moms and dads grandparents. Uh, aunts, uncles, whatever it may be, to be watchful of the home, what's coming into the home, right? To be to be watchers and guardians. Um, David was a uh, David. First Samuel chapter seventeen, one of the coolest chapters in all of Scripture. David has come to the battle where the Philistines are lined up against the, the, the Israelites. And he is, he is trying to, to encourage uh, the, the, the Israelites there who are scared to go to fight against Goliath. And he's, 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 he's come to Saul, the king, and he's, he's trying to, this, this young boy is trying to convince them that he can go and fight this giant. And listen to what he says. In verse 34, it says, And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. Now, what does that mean? David was charged with watching after his father's sheep, right? Think about a keeper at home. That's what David was. He was at his father's house and he was to keep his father's sheep. Who, listen, sheep are incapable of being aware of really what's going on around them, right? And so as we think about our children and we think about our loved ones and who we've been tasked with watching out for our home, many of them are incapable until they grow older of actually knowing what's going on around them or the dangers of the things that are being promoted to them, right? And so David is a good picture of a keeper at home. He says, I, and he recounts to Saul, I was, my, I was a servant and I kept my father's sheep. And listen to what happened. And there came a lion and a bear. <laughs> listen. There are lions and bears that are coming after your sheep. <laughs> if you've got them in your house, they're coming after them. And David says, they came and they took a lamb out of the flock. And I went after him and I smote him and delivered it out of the mouth out of his mouth. 
And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. <laughs> I believe that's the kind of that's the kind of parents we need that are willing to 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 leave their safety, their security. You know, there it's it's hard to be a watcher at home, isn't it? It's a lot easier to be devoted to your hobbies, to be devoted to your career, to be devoted to you. It's it's a lot easier to be devoted to you than it is to somebody else, right? What's the biggest idol that we face? You know, John ends his first epistle by saying, my little children, keep yourselves from idols. And I am the biggest idol in my life. I love to be comfortable. <laughs> I love, I, I want to have my channel on the TV. I want to listen to my music in the car <laughs> at the volume I want it on. And I want everybody else to be quiet because I love me. <laughs> Do you love you? Yes. But we need parents that will say, you know what, I'm going to flee from that idolatry and love them, right? And that's what David did. And the same God that helped him to retrieve that little lamb out of the mouth of the lion, out of the mouth of the bear, was going to be the same God that was going to help David uh, to take down that uncircumcised Philistine. And I believe it's the same God that's going to help us in perilous times. Don't y'all? I, I'm telling you, it can be discouraging when you watch watch what's being pushed on on the family today. But but you think God's surprised by what's going on today? Does anybody think God's surprised? Do you think Do you think it's just happenstance that you are here in this time in this culture? No. We need people who will stand. Who will people be alert? And so, Paul tells the church it. Colossae, he says, I want you to devote yourselves to prayer and I want you to watch in the same with thanksgiving. He says, I want you to be thankful. <laughs> that is one of, the, one of the hallmarks of a society that has gone down the drain is that they are ungrateful and there's no thanksgiving. Paul talks about that in Romans chapter 1. He says, when they knew God, they didn't glorify Him as God. I believe it's verse 21. He says, neither were they thankful. The reprobate society is not thankful for what God has done for them. And, you know, I believe being alert, being, being alert will not only, you know, we, we need to be watchful and we need to be alert for the dangers that are, that are coming into our lives. And that, and that should make us run to God in prayer, right? That you will help us. You can be alert and watchful to the bad things that are happening in this life, but if you'll be alert and watchful, you'll see a lot of good things that are happening in this life. It's not all doom and gloom, is it? I, 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 one of our blessings this morning was the, the church constitution yesterday. Um, I'm going to tell you, if you missed that, you missed out. <laughs> that was so, I couldn't, I couldn't hold back tears at the end of that. Just, I felt an extreme sense of just, unworthy to be there i don't i don't feel that a lot i mean i understand that we're all unworthy to to even be alive aren't we <laughs> but boy that was such a blessing i wrote down with my son and and we didn't turn on the radio till we got outside of gordo <laughs> we talked about all sorts of things church history <laughs> Me and Bo had a good conversation about uh, the missionary movement and the Black Rock Address, and I don't know if he remembers 
all of it or cared much, but I had a captive audience. <laughs> he could go nowhere. <laughs> yeah, there was, you know, became primitive Baptists and missionary Baptists. He said, Dad, I'm sorry, buddy, but I got to tell him. He said, Dad, the missionary Baptists, do they preach shorter than primitive Baptists? <laughs> And I said, I don't know why. So I went with, you know, some family to a, it was a Southern Baptist church. He said, it just didn't seem as long. <laughs> Can some of y'all feel that? The first non-primitive Baptist church I remember going to was um, huge. It was trustful first Baptist church on an Easter service. I was a little kid. I didn't care anything about church, but I remember as if it was today, thinking, if, if we're going to shake all these hands, we're going to be here forever. <laughs> forever. But, you know, I, 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 I did. We, we, we were going through um, down Highway 82, and I thought, I thought how, how beautiful is this that I get to travel with my son to go to a church meeting? And I just... Was praising I was just thankful I, I don't know what I know you've got a lot of problems going on in your life because you're just like me you're human but every time we go to God we should whether whether we got all kinds of bad stuff going on in our life just the fact that we can go to God think about that if you understand who you are if you really understand it if you go to if you were bold enough to go to God, He should crush you. <laughs> but we can, instead of, we can boldly come to the throne of grace because we have an intercessor who was tempted in all points like we are, yet without sin. And He's, he's mediating for us still today. And so that's why Paul would say, like in uh, Philippians 4 and 6, he says that we should... Um, we should be careful for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and in supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Because even the fact that you can come to God should make you thankful, shouldn't it? And then you count up the other things. You know, there's a song in our hymnal, Count Your Many Blessings. I saw a sign in a store one day. It said, what if you woke up tomorrow with only the things you thank God for tonight? Hmm. Does that hurt y'all? <laughs> oh, we should be continue not only devote yourself to prayer, but be watchful and thankful. And the more you the more you look for God, the more you're going to see Him. <laughs> the more you're going to see Him. We got thirty minutes to go. <laughs> um, he says, verse three. With all, all praying also for us. Paul says, I, th I think in verse 2 he's saying, generally there are so many things to pray for. You need to pray for each other. You pray for your health. You pray for those that are sick. You pray for those that are in need. You pray for your nation. You pray for your leaders. You know, Paul would instruct Timothy to, to pray that you may lead a quiet and peaceable life and all godliness. There's just so many things. If you think about all the things we have to pray for, 
it's going to take some time, isn't it? And then Paul gets specific in verse three, and he says, with all praying also for us. You know, Paul and Timothy are in the very beginning of this book. You can see that's who's writing to the church. Paul is with Timothy, and he says, I want you to pray for us. I want you to pray for the, what he's saying there is you need to pray for the, the ministry. Listen, he says, that you also pray for us that God would open us a door of utterance to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in bonds. Listen, Paul was imprisoned, but yet he kept going on. Paul, Paul, Paul wasn't free to just do whatever he wanted. Paul, Paul was being persecuted for this gospel that he's asking the church to pray for him that he could go out and preach to others. And so he says, he says, with all, when you're praying, pray for us. You know, you'll hear preachers come up before you and, and before they begin to preach, they'll say, I'll, I'll do this often, pray for me. I'm going to tell you, they mean that. I used to think that's just a habit they get into. No, they want you to pray for them. And Paul's saying, pray for me. And many, many ministers throughout the centuries have, have suffered greatly because of what God has called them to do. You know, I was um, reading an article this week and it said that the Baptists have been, or the, and this was not written by a Baptist, I believe it was from Southern Methodist University. It said the Baptists have been the most persecuted denomination throughout the centuries. You think of men like um, John, John Bunyan, who wrote Pilgrim's Progress, was in prison for like 12 years because he wouldn't affirm infant baptism. That should strengthen us, shouldn't it? That there was somebody willing to, and the Lord blessed him. I believe he wrote that book. And it's like the first or second best-selling book outside of the Bible in all of history. And he wrote that while he was in prison. See, the Lord can bless you when you're standing firm for him, right? Often the Lord blesses you in ways that you wouldn't want him to bless you. <laughs> Once you get through it, you see that he was there the whole time. Have y'all? Can y'all admit that? Obadiah Holmes. Go read about Obadiah Holmes here in America, who was beaten just for, just for being a Baptist, and 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 standing for the things that you and I would stand for today. I, I, I tell you what. I'm gonna take a, a minute, and I'm gonna talk. I'm going to talk to the church today like if I was at a different church. <laughs> you ever, um, what do I mean by that? I, 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 have ne I don't think I've ever stood in this pulpit and, and talked about the difficulties of the ministry because, because y'all are too good to me. You know, when I, when I was called to this church, I remember standing up here and, and I had no idea what I was getting into. And I said this, I'll do my best if you'll do your best. Do y'all remember that? <laughs> and y'all have upheld your end of the bargain. Um, not that it's always easy, and I'm sure I haven't. But you can look at this. If, if, if Paul and Timothy needed your prayers then, don't you think that the ministry today needs your prayers now? And And so... See, it's a lot easier to, to preach about 
even church duty or what pastors go through somewhere else than it is at your home church. Brother Mark said he was at Tuscaloosa Church two weeks ago, and Brother Joe Nettles talked about getting to church on time and supporting your church, and Brother Craig Blair, who's the pastor there, said, I'm glad he preached on that because <laughs> I can't. <laughs> not that we're trying to win friends and influence people, but, you know, a pastor's not a drill sergeant. Y'all understand that, right? He's to be gentle. And he can rebuke you in ways that are gentle. Um, but your pastor needs your prayers. You know, Charles Spurgeon is the prince of preachers, right? That's what people call him. Suffered with depression all his life. Preachers go through things. That was some of the songs we sang this morning, Come Thou Fount. Is, is it Robert Robinson that wrote that? How many can, how many can identify with that last verse in, in, in our book that says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. I can, I can identify with that. William Cowper wrote the, the book, the, the hymn in our book, God Moves in a Mysterious Way. You know that song? He wrote that after trying to take his own life. Life is hard. It's difficult. And, and Satan... And, and the principalities and powers of the world, they, they hate the preaching of the gospel. They hate the church. They hate the family. And your pastor needs your prayers. You know, there is, there is nothing that you deal with on a daily basis that your pastor or the ministry doesn't deal with. Indwelling sin is, is just because the Lord calls you to the ministry doesn't mean you're Superman. I've heard some preachers act as if they're so pious. I've heard them and I think, come on, man, get real. <laughs> you deal with envy, selfishness. I talked about that earlier, didn't I? Laziness. Um, they got family issues. They got stress. Anything you deal with. I was at a meeting one time, church meeting on a Saturday. And, and there were so many preachers that showed up. It was amazing. It was like, probably like 90% were just, you know, pastors of other churches that were there to hear, not to even to preach, just to be there. And somebody said to me, they said, wow, there's more, there's more preachers here than people. <laughs> Think about that. Well, they're, they're people too. <laughs> and they have doubts. You know, sometimes I will second guess the words that I say. Um, you know, there's been times I will make up words from the pulpit. Like I will say it. I'll be like, that's not even a word, Josh. <laughs> or maybe I'll use a word and it's like, I don't think that's what that word means. <laughs> See, I, I got to stop trying to sound. I get in trouble when I try to sound intelligent. Don't don't be something you're not. <laughs> A lot of times I'll say, you know, when Paul said this, but it was Peter. Or when Jesus said this, but it was David. And I'll think about that the rest of the sermon. I don't know what y'all thinking about. I'll keep preaching and I'll be thinking, that wasn't Paul that said that. Yesterday, Brother Chris McCool, at the end of the Constitution service, he was, he, he said he edits his own sermons to put them on the, the radio. Oh my goodness. I don't even, I don't even want to hear myself preaching live. <laughs> 
I can't imagine uh, that what that brother. And he says he'll listen to him and he'll think, oh my goodness, I'm a horrible preacher. <laughs> you know, Brother Michael Goins that runs Grace Alone, he has to listen to so much preaching. You know, he edits the sermons to get them a certain length. I feel for him, but um, I know of one preacher that he was preaching years ago in Florida and the church had just invested. They were cutting edge. They had gotten a recording system that would put your sermons on cassette. And then they duplicate them and send them out. And uh, he said he 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 stole the master copy and threw it in a river on his way home. <laughs> they doubt uh, you'll doubt your decisions. Now this I'm not saying I struggle with all this. I mean I don't like to listen to myself preach now or talk or anything. I think who's that redneck? <laughs> um, but they'll they'll question their. I don't know, purchases, their, their, their time management, their choices, question their ability. But, but Carrie and I got to spend some time with Brother, I, I just mentioned Brother Chris McCool. A few weeks ago, we got to spend some time with Brother Chris McCool and his wife, Sister Sherry. And we were talking about our life and how it's not really worked out how we thought it would. And um, it's worked out for the better. And they have a very similar story to, to us. And, um, you know, I said, Brother Chris, I, I was talking about, I, I, I do, I love y'all. I hope y'all love me. <laughs> um, but I, 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 I never thought that I would be the pastor of this church when I joined, you know, 11, 12 years ago. And, um, and you know, he never thought he'd be the pastor, I guess, at Zion. Um, and, and I said, Brother Chris, I was just talking about how good you are to me. And I said, and there's days that I preach or I minister to them. And I think I want to I want to just die in that pulpit one day. Just I mean, really old <laughs> and just go out preaching and just fall over dead. I mean, that'd be weird, wouldn't it? I mean, for y'all, but <laughs> it'd be memorable. Y'all would remember me. Um. But, but I told him, I was we were being honest. I said, there's days I drive home and I think I just need to resign tonight and get them a better preacher. And uh, he said, Brother Josh, I know exactly. I feel the same way about Zion. <laughs> there's days that I just think, he said yesterday, I can, preach, I can preach a sermon and 99 people tell me how great it is. And one person say, I wasn't sure about this point. And that's all I think about for the rest of the week. <laughs> Um, you know, they have doubts. Discouragement is real. Brother Sam, who's my father in ministry, our former pastor, he'd say discouragement is the one thing that a preacher can't afford. I can hear him telling me that. Brother Josh, discouragement is the one thing you can't have. You know, there's a, there's a uh, story about the devil selling off all his, all his tools at a yard sale. And he had envy and lust and all these things. And there was one behind the counter, and, and they said, what's that one? And he said, that's not for sale. That's discouragement. If I can get somebody discouraged, I can. they're no good to the kingdom of God. So pray for the Brother Ronald Lawrence was there yesterday. He preached. During his message, he said, somebody called him this week, said, Brother Ronald, I just called you to tell you I won't be there the next two weeks. <laughs> and he said, he, just, he did this. He just folded over. I wish you just, I understand people go places and not here, but I just wish you wouldn't tell me. 
Like, I'll figure it out that day. Brother Ronald said, you know, Brother Ronald's been pastoring, what, for 50 years? I talked to him a little bit about this yesterday, Brother Ronnie Mazingo, about this yesterday. Brother, Ron, uh, Brother um, Ronald Lawrence, who's been here before, y'all, most of you know him. He said, it's hard today because you, he said, I got to sneak up on people in Walmart just to see them. <laughs> so they got caller ID now. And so you call and it has your name there. And they say, oh, that's the pastor, you know. Just put that over there. I, I feel his pain. <laughs> One time I was riding with my mom and dad and somebody called me and I just hit the button. Y'all have done that, right? You just put it to voicemail. And I remember mom said, don't do that. They'll, do they not know you're doing that? <laughs> I said, I don't know. Do you know it when, I, when you call? <laughs> not that I've ever done that. But some people, I mean, we got church members, I think, are they alive? I don't know if they're alive or dead. They don't, I don't talk to them. They, it's not that I don't try. Um, I mean, I'm pretty sure they're alive. <laughs> but um, You know, that can be discouraged. Here's the fact, here, and listen, I'm not discouraged. I'm, I'm preaching this while I'm encouraged, so when I'm discouraged, I don't have to preach about it. How about that? <laughs> but you impact a lot of the, whether your pastor's encouraged or discouraged. So, you know, to discourage somebody is to, is to draw courage out of them and to encourage somebody is to pour courage into them. And, and, and y'all are a very encouraging church, but um, just, the, just the ministry of presence, just being here on Sunday mornings encourages your pastor. Um, I remember when we tried to preach Brother Sam and I would come up here during COVID for, you know, three, was it four or five weeks? We, we preached to an empty building. That was so discouraging. So discouraging. And, you know, there's people that you love and they're not here. And, and I'm not talking about they're at the lake one weekend a year or they're, you know, a family reunion. I, I'm not so disconnected with life. I don't understand you have things to do. And sometimes those get in the way. I'm talking about, you could be here and you're not here. That's discouraging. Because then the preacher starts thinking, well, maybe it was that I used that word that doesn't really mean what it means. <laughs> or maybe I did something. You know, I've even been, I've even been discouraged and people trying to encourage me. <laughs> I preached a three-day meeting a few years ago. I was the only one to preach that weekend. And, you know, those are harder than they look. Like Brother Ronald comes here, or Brother John came here the other day, or um, you know, you have these preachers that come and they make it look easy, don't they? <laughs> well, it's I found it's harder than it looks. You preach four or five sermons in forty-eight hours or whatever, it's pretty difficult, especially with the internet, because people can hear you. You can't just re-preach them. <laughs> now, like fifty years ago, that'd be pretty easy. Probably, I mean, I don't think it'd be easy, but I could just. Go back through other stuff that I've preached. Now they listen to your podcast. Maybe we should stop that. Um, <laughs> I preached a three-day meeting. The end of the three-day meeting, and you know, I'm feeling pretty good about my efforts. Um, and this sister came through the handshake, and she said, "Brother Josh, you, that was so much better than I thought it would be." <laughs> I still think about that. Like, what did she mean? What did she think it was going to be? 
I still think, I think about that at night sometimes. I'm like, what did she mean? You know, think about being, think, I'll give you some context on this. I know we're having fun, but this is, I'm just giving you some insight, okay? And I'll give you some context on this, something to be thankful for. Vestavia Church is a blessed church, okay? There's a lot of churches that would, that are praying for and would, and would love to have what we have. And that's not because of us. But there are people that impacted that, right? And when you think about, I think about Brother Ernie Stump. You know, when you take two churches and you bring them together, and there's always going to be, it's not going to be easy, right? And he, I'm, he led through that and then preached for years. I mean, he traveled to 25, 30 different states to preach. I mean, he was... People got excited when Brother Ernie Stump was coming to their church to preach. Think about that. You know the, the preachers that come here and you get excited? Hopefully you get excited for all of them, but people were excited. I remember, I, remember, I can remember Brother Ernie um, coming to, to uh, Centerpoint when I, was, when I was just getting interested in the church. And it was, I mean, he could preach, you know, and he could lead and you know, we, we, we should, we're talking about being alert. We need to be alert to that and be thankful, right? We had, a, we, he laid a foundation. And I'm not saying he's the only one. There's other people that have come and gone that laid a foundation for the church we have today. And so we should, that should, that should motivate us to, to carry on with that, right? He was a pillar in the church. Then Brother Sam Bryant. I mean, I told the church recently, he's the goat of all preachers. And some of y'all are like, what's that mean? The greatest of all time. You know, there's this debate. Is Tom Brady the best? Is Peyton Manning the goat? Who's the, the greatest of all time? Well, when it comes to preachers, to me, he's the greatest of all time. I remember the first time I ever heard him was at Center Point Primitive Baptist Church. And I can remember points from that sermon. Now, if, if that's almost 20 years ago. If you, if you can remember a point from a sermon 20 years ago, that was a good sermon. <laughs> Sometimes people ask me, what did you preach on last week? And I'll think, what did I preach on last week? How much time do I have? We're not missionary Baptists, so we're going to go on, Brother Bo. Um, <laughs> I remember that's, that was 20, uh, 20 years ago, and he talked about following a man at, a, at an assisted living home who was preaching. And the man was talking about, he was using a metaphor of a, of a he had a magnet and he had some small nails, some medium-sized nails, and some old rusty nails. He, he probably used that here, I'm sure. So he probably re-preached that one <laughs> when I heard it. But uh, he said he'd put the magnet over the little nails and boom, they popped up. Then he put the magnet over the, the, the medium-sized nails and they struggled a, a second and then boom, they popped up to the, to the magnet. And, and the, the metaphor was that this guy was using was the drawing power of God, right? And then he got to the older, bigger nails that were kind of rusty, and they wouldn't come to the magnet. And the preacher made the statement, uh, you know, that's kind of us. As we get older and rustier and further from God, he just can't draw us to himself anymore. And Brother Sam said, he needs a bigger magnet. <laughs> <laughs> that was probably 20 years ago that I heard that. And... uh and I still remember, we've been, we ought to give thanks to God, right? Thanks to God. 
But God's got a sense of humor, so then you call me to be your pastor. <laughs> and, you know, word had gotten out that Brother Sam had left. And I remember this minister, I'd, I'd met him for lunch. He's coming through town, and I won't give you any names. And he said, what's the church going to do at Vestavia? And um, I said, well, brother, they actually just called me. It was right after April of 2021. I said, I'm going to try to be their pastor. He said, Really? excited and uh, yeah he said i thought they'd get a big name preacher <laughs> every night i think about that like, <laughs> but you know the biggest thing the reason you want to pray for your pastor listen to what he says with all praying also for us that god would open unto us a door of utterance that is a door to preach the gospel, to speak the mystery of Christ. Verse 4, he says that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. The, the ministry, just normal men who have been called out of, out of congregations, out of the walk of life to preach the gospel, they are, they are tasked with bringing before you the Word of God every week. And even if they didn't deal with doubt and discouragement and all that, they need your prayers to do that. Um, there's, there's probably not a, a, a preacher worth his salt that wouldn't say that he gets nervous on, on Sunday mornings. I, I watched the funeral service for... Uh, Pastor Harry Reeder from Briarwood Presbyterian this week, who I, I've, I've really enjoyed listening to his sermons. I'd met him a few times, and he was a wonderful man. And I believe it was his oldest daughter who was speaking, and she said, she said, my dad, for 50 years, let's say, he'd been preaching, he said, he's never had a restful Saturday night. And I can relate, and every preacher that stands up here can relate. Because you're... You know, you're anticipating and you're... It's a big thing to stand up and preach the Word of God. So, with all, praying also for us. Pray for the ministry. We didn't get as far as I wanted to get today, but I'll pray for you and you pray for me. How about that? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You for this day. We thank You for the blessings of this life. We thank You that You continue to call men to preach your word, and we, we ask you, Lord, that you'd raise up more. Raise up men in this church, or send us men to this church that would preach your gospel, that would labor in your word, and may we devote ourselves to praying for those men, that also the Lord would open up doors for those men to preach the gospel. I thank you for a congregation here that's attentive. I thank you that we've been able to Rejoice and laugh, and, and, and even, even in dark times, we can have a, a peace that passes understanding. I pray that you keep us safe until next Sunday, and that you would open up doors for us here in Birmingham, Alabama, to speak the finished work of Christ to those who it would bless. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We'll sing a hymn at this time and give an opportunity if you want to Unite with this church. You can come forward and let your request be made known. Brother Joshua, do you have a hymn? Or... Number 296.